Have you ever wondered what this EQ is, emotional and social intelligence? Isn't intelligence about your mind, about your brain, who's the smart one? Have you ever met someone who is so clever but relationally clueless? Well, my guest today is Beverly Lewis and she is an expert on emotional intelligence and why it matters because you can be clever and have all the answers but if you're not good with people, you won't make any money and you won't have a happy life. So we are going to meet Beverly right after this. Oops, not that one. Right, oh, I had my finger on it too. Here we go. Right after this. The strongest prison bars are in your head. Leaders and teams, it's time for a jailbreak. Beverly Lewis, welcome to the Shift and Lift Mindset Show. Thank you. I am excited to be here. I love my Aussie friend. And yes, it's uh, we've got a lot of good things to cover today. A great and interesting subject. So thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled to have you here because I love, love, love this topic. Because this is about shifting and lifting the way we think so that we can be more effective and more successful. So Beverly... Give us an, an overview of what emotional intelligence is and how how you got interested in it. Okay. I call it the other kind of smart. IQ is what all of us are familiar with. That is usually tested when we're young, uh, children, and sometimes even in our teens. And it used to be thought that IQ was pretty static, but now we have learned about neuroplasticity and how the brain can grow and change. And that's all very good news. But people have focused on IQ. Now we know that you know, industry has changed. Our whole, we are not in the industrial revolution. We're in the information age. Leadership has changed. The, the need for emotional intelligence, which means this, emotional intel intelligence is the ability to be aware of your own underlying emotions so that you can have appropriate responses and manage your, uh, your interaction with people to build bridges instead of walls. Wow. And that also means you have to be aware of other people's emotions. So there's self-awareness as well as others' awareness. Self-awareness and others' awareness. Because when we're aware of ourselves, then we can realize, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, so that we don't get too far down the track of being emotional and say and do things we probably will regret later. Pretty much. Yes. And here's the trick about self-awareness. It's really interesting that research shows that over 90% of people rate themselves as highly self-aware. But in reality, only about 12% of people are. So the irony of self-awareness is it's it's you can't only be subjective with it. To be really self-aware, you have to get input from other people. You have to ask questions and you have to have communication and relationships. It's not just living in this little shell. That's not self-awareness because... Oh, that's true. Now, that reminds me with... with uh 
leaders, there's a, there's another. So if you if you're talking to a group of leaders and you ask for a show of hands who who would rate themselves as a pretty good leader, you know, as a good leader. Now, some of them might because they don't want to look bad, but even with a survey, even a private survey, they will rate themselves as pretty good leaders, but the people around them might not rate them that way. Exactly. Exactly. So there's a lot of motivation for why you want to increase your emotional intelligence. But before I get into that, you asked me, how did I get so interested in this? Tell us about that. I have... um, I've always, I've been in sales and own my own business since I got out of college. And I, I set a goal actually, even when I was yet in high school to become a master communicator, I was very interested in people and being in communication. Um, Though it's led me down many different paths. I've always had that focus on people. And so I've studied people, but I have this passion for seeing good leaders arise. I feel like every, every industry, every business, politics, government, teaching, education, everything is dependent on good leadership. And EQ is now the, the thing that is in demand. We've realized that we've grown a society of really high Uh, intelligent people, people that have the world at their fingertips. You know, we've got Google, we can, we have information out the Yazoo, but we're not very good at communicating. And I think that we don't have to look at all the studies though we can, there are plenty of studies that, that confirm these things that I'm saying, but I would ask the listeners and I ask you, you know, you look around you, you look at the the quality of life of the way families are communicating. You look at how people are getting along at work. You look at Facebook, you look at, yeah. you know, you look at social media and all of the contention. Our society has become so contentious and that's why emotional intelligence is passion to me. There's more to that story, though, and I'm going to make it very brief. Oh, there I'm is. Now, before you do, before you do that, I want to make sure that if uh, if you want to get in touch with Beverly, you can. If you if you would like to add your comments while she's speaking, because I was thinking to myself, I wonder how many people watching can relate. I wonder how many people, especially in, would you say if you're watching, and even if you're watching the recording, because I do get notifications of the comments coming up. Would you say that people at the moment, have you noticed that they have become less thoughtful, less tolerant, uh, or have they become more tender because of the pandemic? I think sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other, but what's it been like in your world? Give, pop in a comment if you're watching and uh, so, so that we can hear your thoughts on what's going on in your world because I'd love to know because this is Australia, that's America, it's all different. And uh, in the meantime, Beverly, please continue and tell us how you uh, got involved in it yourself with your story. I think that's what you were going to continue with, wasn't it? Yes. I am a musician. I always tell people that English is my second language. Music is my first language. And one of the things that I've noticed about music uh, in myself and my, I am a pianist and a vocalist, but I find that really good musicians operate from the heart. They, and I'm a good example of this because I was never that great at, 
at um, perfectionism in terms of getting all my notes correct. And all, but I, I was always rated very high in competitions because of my expression. It was it was the heart. It was the love. It was the connection. It was the engagement. And it's the same way with our communications with one another, that if we don't connect with our heart, if we just communicate out of our brains and our intellect, and really that is how we are brought up to do it. It's like, it's like we get this disconnect from our heart. And it's kind of like, People who communicate just out of their intellect and leave their heart and, and, you know, we've often, even a lot of people have been brought up to believe that emotions are bad and mm. that you, know, you, especially at work, you shouldn't be emotional, right? It should just be all professional, professional. all business. Mm. Well, that is not real life. That doesn't create authenticity. It doesn't create a culture of people who stick around and have a family-like attitude of loyalty and commitment and joy and sorrow and doing life together. So it's kind of like the example I use. Have you ever listened to a young musician practice? Like I, I recently mentored a student who was in junior high and I was so excited because she was so interested in music, but I had to go to her concerts <laughs> <laughs> and she was a new musician and it was so painful. I love symphony. I love that. But when you're <laughs> listening to people who aren't good at it and when, who are just thumping it out, it hurts. And you know what? That's how it is with our communication. People just go thump it out. They don't, they don't learn finesse. They don't learn to articulate clearly. They don't learn to respond. They're not working from the heart. And we've got all mm. this dissonance in our ears mm. and in our hearts and in our lives. And it, it's very stressful. So Look, that's how I got into this. It's all connected. It's so good. We Because we end up triggering other people with with their, you know, we, we, we have our thumping it out, trying to express and then that agitates somebody else. And so they have uh, an, an expression that's like, oh, my goodness. And uh, that then comes back on us and it makes it a bit harder. And I think you're right. In the workplace has been very professional where and task-oriented, which is often a very masculine trait. And the only emotions that would be shown, if someone's disapproving of you, they might yell at you and be angry. Exactly. So I love I love that there's more diversity in the workplace and there's more attention to how people feel. And I think with the, the great resignation that is happening, people will often choose to be somewhere where they're going to be cared for and respected and treated well for less money than to stay somewhere. If, if they've got a choice, you know, then, then to have good money and feel like they're being abused every day. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. They want uh, emotional mm -hmm. safety. They want to be able to trust and, and leaders. Here's the, here's a motivation for everybody. What, whether you're leading um, a, f a family or leading a boardroom and a CEO of a company, uh, you can increase your uh, income for sure. You can increase, you mentioned that we started, you can increase your level of happiness and satisfaction with life. But on a business scale, the average person who increases their emotional intelligence 
earns an, an additional $29,000 per year. So really? we're not just talking, yeah, we're not just talking theory wow. here. And people who have bosses that are emotionally intelligent and are, uh, and can be scored that way, they are people who have that kind of boss are four times more likely to stay in their job than right. people who don't. Okay. So retention oh, that let's just pause there for a minute. What you just said, uh, this is your expertise and, and you can just rattle off this stuff. But for most people, what you've just said is revelation and and uh, thank you, Pamela. I'm, I'm glad. Uh, thanks for uh, contributing. And, and that you do agree 100% uh, with, with what we're talking about because it, it matters so much. But, uh, yeah, it just does. And, Beverly, um, that's really significant. And and if that, that actually correlates to pay, then what flashed in my mind is that women who women may have um, emotional intelligence in sensitivity but they've also got to build that confidence up and also perhaps become a bit more concise and direct in how they speak to maybe bring a bit more of the edge in so that they can actually access that $29,000 increase and be part of that so there's a few aspects to it this is fascinating Beverly please keep going <laughs> well and that's interesting what you said women because it is you know I think that women who have been rising in the uh, workforce into the C-suite have felt like they needed to become more masculine. When yep. the truth is with this demand for emotional intelligence, have a greater uh, advantage, but we haven't realized it. And we, right. I feel like we have spent more time trying to be something that we're not when we were really backpedaling in a sense, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. There is no question about it, but I yeah. do want to go ahead and give everybody three tips on how to increase emotional intelligence while we have time, because Excellent. there's so many uh, benefits to doing it. We could talk about that for a long time, but I want to tell you about a concept that is very real and it's the first step that I recommend on increasing emotional intelligence. And it's learning okay. to sit down on the inside. Now, you know, we all are told to find our voice and to stand up and to, you know, have our message be out there. And I agree with all of that. However, when we're listening to other people, when we're, when we're really wanting to engage with other people and making make them feel safe and make them feel um, that they're recognized, that they're seen. And all of us, we're wired in our DNA for connection. And in that connection, we all want to be seen. And, it, and sometimes in a relationship and even in a conversation, being able to sit down on the inside. And, and what does that mean? It means that you don't have to talk first. It, it doesn't, it means that you don't have to um, lead the conversation. And I, as a person, as an extrovert that always has a lot to say, I get very enthusiastic and I'm sure that's very clear, but I've had to learn that sitting down on the inside also means that I don't have to be right. And oh my goodness, don't we all love to be right? What? <laughs> yes. 
I tell you where I learned, you know, I have been to school. I have studied. I'm a lifelong learner. I've read over 60 books this year. I, I have, I have research to back up everything I say, but I'm going to tell you the truth where I really learned this lesson about sitting down on the inside is being married. And I've been married for over 40 years. And I have found out that in order to stay married, you cannot insist on being right all the time. No, no, you can't. You can't. That's uh, well in anything, you know, because do you want to, yeah, often say uh, when, when I'm doing speaking engagements is it, and, and with leaders, it's, do you want to be right or do you want to get it right? Yes. Good point, Trish. <laughs> Excellent point. Yes. So part of that, that's really what I mean by sitting down on the inside is uh, when you do that, when you just say, okay, I don't have to dominate here. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be, I don't have to win. This is not a competition. This is an interaction Right. That's so good. And then that's where um, understanding your personality type comes in as well, because some of our A types have to be right. So it's, uh, I yeah. had a guy in a yeah, workshop. Gosh. See, yeah. Pamela, Pamela, thank you. This is valuable information, isn't it? Thank you for contributing. I, I, I appreciate that. It, it's just, it sounds simple and obvious, but when you're in the moment, it's not always the case. No. I actually was, I was doing a live workshop about two weeks ago and there was a guy in there that we did an exercise on the personality types and we kept it very simple and I put them in groups, you know, and it was a self-evaluation. We didn't take a written test uh, because it was a large, you know, not a large group. I guess there was about 40 people in there, but um, one guy that was in that group you just described, you know, a type personality, dominant leader, extrovert, uh, task oriented. He'd been married six times. Um, and he was very outspoken. And I said, I was very gentle with him, but he was, he was not a gentle person. So I finally just said, you know, you think if you work on this emotional intelligence, some that you might stay with number six now. <laughs> and he said, I think I probably need to work on this. And I said, I think you probably do. So that was the first one is sitting down on the inside. Wow. This, okay. The That's second the one is one. listening, which is related to the first one, but listening with the intent to understand and not with the intent to what you're going to say that is so smart next. So listening, you know, I'm going to use the music example again. Um, if, if any of you have raised teenagers, you know that they listen to music that you probably is not your choice on the radio, but you have to find a kind of music that you can both listen to. I can remember doing this with my kids when they were teenagers. I have three. Um, when people are listening to a different station and, and like a different genre of music, it is respectful to not just turn it off and to, you know, say, I can't, I can't do that. If we want to build a bridge, if we want to have relationship, if we want to have communication, sometimes listening and maybe asking questions. And that leads me to the third, um, third thing is Who asking. Would thought? Who would have thought? And Pamela's having a good laugh <laughs> while we're doing this. And yeah, so uh, it, it's so well, that laugh would have been for what we said just a little bit earlier. So I, I caught that comment. So thank you, Pamela. I see that. Yeah. So yes. Now show it. Let's let us know what the uh, what the third 
thing is, please? Well, it's, it's really learning to ask questions and that is part of listening too. So all of these are kind of, you know, stair steps because we tend to want to talk and give information when sometimes asking questions can be, um, and I'm not talking about grilling people, but I'm talking about, uh, being, tuning into them by asking questions. And I'm just going to give you a quick example. If you're leading people, if you're a supervisor at work and you're leading people, you can um, ask a question such as, what's one thing I need to know about you to commu- that, that would enable us to communicate better? Oh, en- hang on, hang on, hang on. That's gold. What's one thing... I need from you. I need to know about you. I need to know what's one thing I need to know about you. So in order for us to communicate better. Wow. That's, and then you like, they might not know straight off the bat. So they might come back to you with that after that, because it's quite likely nobody has ever asked them that question before. What a caring, thoughtful question. I love it, Beverly. I'm going to do a, I'm going to make up, you, you talk, I'm going to make up a banner for it. I also find that asking questions of people you're in relationship with at work and certainly even at home, because my philosophy, by the way, on leadership is that leadership starts in the living room and it isn't really effective in the boardroom or the community room or the, uh, the justice hall until you've been, if you're not effective, you're not leading well in the living room, you're not getting it in order right. So asking questions of people that you're in relationship with, or how are things going and what can I do better? That is a question that is, makes you very vulnerable. Um, and that's when I, I, you know, you think, why don't, why don't I ask these questions? Sometimes we're afraid of the answer. And it's, we and are. it does make you vulnerable to ask because if you ask for feedback, you might get it and it might be hard. It might but, be hard. Yeah. Well, it is. And especially if we're not emotionally mature, if we don't have that emotional intelligence, it can put us on the defensive. It can hurt our feelings. But what I've observed, and particularly even, even with family members, they will be you know, because we've got different generations and different things going on and and there can be um, different priorities and values. So when you have to have a talk with someone, they may at first feel defensive and try and, you know, it's natural to defend yourself, especially if the person doesn't really articulate it in a really tenderized way. But quite often if you if you go away and think, and this is what certainly true of my family, it might hurt at first and you, but, um, if you go away and you chew it over, then you can come back and and really uh, have that better relationship. And because you do love each other, you you can move forward like that. And I'm just noticing the wonderful uh, Chris Knight. <laughs> there's quite a comment on here. I want to um, uh, take note of this. Wonderful words of wisdom and so important to go within and deeply listen and sitting within. We need to adapt our emotional intelligence and leadership style, adapt it depending on the circumstances and your role. She loves your analogy regarding music and turning your frequency to get to know other people 
and what's important to them. Namaste, Chris Knight. Chris Knight is a connection on LinkedIn and she she's a wonderful, uh, she's a Seroptimus International uh, chapter member and uh, we do a lot of work to help women and girls become more confident and uh, who, who might be disadvantaged around the world. So, Beverly, you are striking a note there. I like that. <laughs> That's my language. Music. Thank you, Chris, for that input very much. Appreciate that. Uh, it's a, it is a deep subject. It is, it can be fun. It can be challenging. I would like to offer, um, I do yes. a podcast called the high road to leadership. So one of the things that I give to my listeners is a packing list to see how you're doing with the qualities and attributes of a highly emotional, intelligent leader. And if you fantastic, like I want to, I want to show your website while we have it. Uh, so, so as you, I wanted to catch you there because I want to show people. Now, this is your website, and then we're going to go to the second tab, which will show what you want to show people. So, uh, let me feature this. This is uh, BeverlySpeaks.com. I've got that on the bottom, and you have. I'll, shall I go to the packing list now? Sure, sure, for sure. You? So you can visit there. Here it is. Bang packing list great now tell us about this and i will put this i will put this list in the comments they may i may need to do it after the broadcast but i'll put it in now so you can see me doing that move it over and this should come in the technology and, queen you're so impressive trish <laughs> i know okay so that should have come up if anybody's watching could you let me know if that's come up for your screen or if it's just only showing for me as uh, in in the uh chats so now tell us about this in the time that we've got left Beverly because I want to make sure people benefit from you well it's just like if you are going to go on a trip most of us have been on the kind of trip where we just threw stuff into the suitcase and hope for the best and that is not usually a recipe for uh, being comfortable your whole trip because you're very likely to leave out something important. And that's why when you're packing for the journey to lead well um, and wanting to make sure that your checklist of emotional intelligence, what does that mean? What does it look like? It, it pays to take a few moments to do a self-evaluation of how am I doing with this? For example, you know, it has a list of about 40 different attributes and qualities in different categories. And you can take a look and see what do you need to get more of? What do you need to work on? And I always encourage people to only focus on about three things at, at, at any particular quarter, for example, that you need to just stay focused. And like, for instance, this year, uh, for me, consistency was a goal. And I've, I've made great progress with that. You know, there's, there's, uh, and, and consistency is more of a habit than an emotional uh, intelligence attribute. However, it could, it, if you're inconsistent, that communicates something to people. Um, right. And I like how you've said, just pick three. So yes, you've yes. got a, you've got a list, a packing yes, list, yes. obviously of yes. more than three, but yes. don't feel overwhelmed. Just pick three. Oh, really for some of us, it might just be one at a time. Yes. But true. that's yeah. And, and for some people you may need to get some help. Like I was, um, 
I was actually recently diagnosed with uh, ADD. I don't have the H, I have the attention deficit disorder. So I now have something to help me to focus and it has changed my life, Beverly. I just thought I was a creative who was scatty, but I need, so um, if you need to see a counsellor for if you have real anger problems, if you if this is really something that is more than just simple advice, do get some professional help. Uh, and in the meantime, you've got this list, this checklist that you can go through and uh, see what you would like to work on. That's brilliant, Beverly. Thank you so much. So Thank I've, you. Yeah. Thank I've you so much. It is obviously yeah. a favorite topic of mine, and I really appreciate and I'm honored to be here with you tonight, and I hope we can continue the discussion. I know that we will. Oh, <laughs> oh, thank you. And thank you, Chris. I, I, uh, I, I do my best every now and again, there's a, there's a, an oops, but, um, you know, that's just, we're all having a crack, aren't we? And that's what shift and lift mindset is about. It's like trying things out. And what Beverly is talking about is trying things out, having a go at, uh, at, at what's working for people. So, uh, let me see having said she's really good with uh with technology i'm looking to the side where i've got the banners and the comments and and things like that to see uh to see where we're at so um beverly of beverlyspeaks.com you're brilliant you're beautiful you're lovely and uh we are so pleased to have had you here and i hope that if you're on if you're watching on linkedin or youtube or facebook uh you can benefit personally from her material if you are uh, in, a, in a company that wants a speaker, wants a workshop, this is worthwhile doing, please contact Beverly. And what we're going to do now is say uh, goodbye, have a great week. And Beverly, it has been an absolute, oh, and if you want to get me to come and speak, get in touch with me. Beverly, Wouldn't it's be been an absolute pleasure. Together? Do something together, we could. We, we could. could. We could. And I have to, in saying goodnight, <laughs> I just have to leave you with my motto, which is the best is yet to come. Woo! I love that. Best is yet to come. Yes. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time.